Welcome to the Jacques Marche monthly podcast series. With the recent dawning of the concept of mindfulness in the West, many proponents have stepped forward with explanations and methodologies, but perhaps one of the most relatable to the average person, in my mind, would be this month's podcast guest, Jackie Hawkins. Jackie is usually accompanied by her trusty border collie, Alfie. Though based in Bristol, UK, Jackie and Alfie may be that cute couple you had just passed while strolling through Central Park last week. Ms. Hawkins being a huge fan of the Big Apple. With certificates and degrees in clinical psychology, law, and stress management to name but a few, Jackie Hawkins brings a multidimensional view to the topic she relayed to us in the garden at the Jacques Marche Museum of Tibetan Art in October of 2017. This is part two of the two-part podcast we've made of her visit. John Kabat-Zinn describes mindfulness as paying attention in the present moment on purpose in a particular way and non-judgmentally. Now, non-judgmentally means you're not judging yourself. It's not good or bad. Your thoughts are not good or bad. They're just thinking. John Kabat-Zinn created what he calls the seven pillars of mindfulness. So the first pillar of mindfulness, the first thing that supports mindfulness, is not judging yourself. Just observing your breath and not worrying about whether you're doing it right or wrong or things are good or bad. The second thing he talks about is patience, which is, he says, is a form of wisdom. So don't expect to get things right straight away. We can practice mindfulness in all ways, sitting, lying, standing, walking. But when we do sitting practice, that's the most difficult because we are shoulding all over ourselves. I shouldn't think. I should be able to sit here. I should be able to do this. And of course, the first thing that happens to you when you start doing any sitting practice, otherwise known as meditation, is that you start to see what an incredibly busy brain you have. And it can be quite frightening. It's like, my goodness me, look at all those thoughts. If you just see it in a way that is more as having an undercurrent of thoughts, emotions, sensations, and images that are running through your mind, you as the observer become aware of all those images that happen. Then you can tease a bit of a distance between yourselves and what you're actually seeing in your brain mind, this undercurrent going through your brain mind. The next pillar of mindfulness is what John Kabat-Zinn calls trust. So just trusting your intuition, trusting yourself, because there's an awful lot that you do know. Then he talks about non-striving. So just accept you are where you are, which leads him into acceptance. Don't resist what's coming up. Finally, the seventh pillar is what he calls let go. But I like to call it letting be. Because when you talk about letting go, there's an implied pushing away. Whereas when you let be, there's more acceptance. There is something around me that maybe there's an issue or a situation, I can't do anything about it, 
I'm just going to let it be there and get on with the rest of my life. So mindfulness is not something or a term of art that sits on its own. Mindfulness goes hand in hand with awareness, awareness of where you are, awareness of the present moment situation and so on and so forth. It also goes hand in hand very much with self-compassion. So being compassionate to oneself. Again, we need to learn to look after ourselves. After that, think about self-acceptance. We are as we are, and there are people that will say, you know, you can't be anybody else, just be yourself. And then there's kindness. Mindfulness goes hand in hand with kindness to oneself. This is when I keep saying to yourself, to oneself, I'm not talking about selfishness here. I'm talking about this important ability to be able to be kind to ourselves because the happier we are in ourselves, the more we can connect with other people. Mindfulness goes hand in hand with self-forgiveness. We are not perfect. And just accepting that we're not. And then asking ourselves, what do I need right now? Just checking in with ourselves during the day. It may be that actually we haven't thought about having a drink of water or we just need to do something. Certainly, if you're working and you're working in an office, during the whole time that I was doing office work, every lunchtime, I would go out for a half an hour walk. And it was for my mental sanity as much as for my physical well-being. We really need sometimes to get out and move, to be embodied, to really emphasize that mind-body connection that we have. So it's also, mindfulness, a faculty, a bit like a muscle that you work. And it's something that you practice with method, attitude, that one of openness, kindness, self-acceptance, self-compassion, and relaxation. Because like any meditation or yoga or any practice we do, it's relaxing. I am loving talking to you guys. I'm not at all nervous because I really, really like talking and imparting knowledge and meeting people. But at the same time as having this high confidence, I had terribly low self-esteem. My self-esteem was just dragging the floor. I define self-confidence as that outer relationship you have with the world that enables you to communicate with people and how you present yourself. We have a Dr. Phil in Bristol, a guy called Phil Hammond, who was a comedian. He's a general practitioner, a doctor. He's also on the radio. He's just a very, very funny guy. So he said, I was an ugly Ginga kid. I had a brother with depression and my father killed himself. So I decided I had to be funny. And that's how he got through life. He was talking at what we called the happiness lectures in Bristol. He said that there are two things that give him the most happiness in life. One is gardening. So if any of you are moved, there's lots of gardening to do here at the uh, <laughs> museum. Um, gardening. And the second one was walking his dogs. So I, I come back again to that. So if we know that we can handle whatever life throws at us, then we don't have so much fear. 
The essence of the book by Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, is that we all carry around with us a pain body and that the way to live is to be in the now. So the essence of my book is basically being in a loving relationship with yourself. The irony of that is that I've got a best friend in London who is a very different person from me. And when I told her, actually feeling very happy with myself, you know, Susie, I'm really happy now because I'm finally in a loving relationship with myself. Her immediate reaction was, oh, how sad. She thought I was saying I'm so bitter and twisted that I don't love anybody else. I'm just going to care about me. And that was so not what I was saying. Being kind to yourself is something that I would venture to say you need to do first and foremost. Just asking, what do I need that enables me to live in a way that means I have lower levels of anxiety or that I can appreciate living in this world. So it's something that needs to be in the forefront of how we walk through this world. It's being kindness and self-accepting. When people are selfish, it's really not got anything to do with how they're treating themselves. It's how they're treating other people as being less than or using people for their own good or objectifying people. What can I get out of this person? Saying I want to be kind and look after myself is not the same as my friend, for instance, interpreted me saying that I was now in a loving relationship with myself as being sad because she thought I meant that I didn't want to love anyone else. But, you know, it's very much found that happy people are far less selfish and self-obsessed than unhappy people. In a way, I try to resist certain words such as happy, unhappy, normal, abnormal, and so on, because that's labeling and things sort of merge into each other. But when we are practicing selfishness, we are objectifying other people for what we can get out of them. And we are not considering their feelings or their needs. It's a fine line of how we make sure we meet our own needs and how we might meet someone else's needs. The problem, from my own experience, being what some people would define a codependent personality, when you're like that, is that instead of looking after my own needs, I spent a lot of time in my life, hence attracting poisonous relationships. My self-esteem was so bad. But I spent a lot of time trying to fulfill the needs of other people, ignoring my own. And that really, at the end of the day, wears you out. So the important thing is to know that being kind, loving, compassionate to yourself is not selfishness, it's common sense. Be sure to check out part one of Jackie Hawkins' two-part talk on mindfulness at iTunes or SoundCloud if you haven't had a chance yet. Just do a search for the Jacques Marche Museum of Tibetan Art at the iTunes podcast store or at soundcloud.com, and there you'll find part one of this talk and all the other monthly podcasts produced for the Jacques Marche Museum of Tibetan Art. Meanwhile, for the Jacques Marche, overlooking 
historic Richmond town. I'm Rudy Basich. Tashi Delic.